0: Well, once again, I want to thank you for tuning into Between the Lines. I'm Peter Larufa, and there's something that I wanted to talk about that occurred to me as I was preparing my sermon that I preached this past Sunday in our Upside Down Sermon Living series, uh, which is uh, taking us through the Beatitudes, and uh, this Sunday I happen to preach from Matthew 5 and verse 7. But as I was thinking about the radical nature of the Beatitudes, and this Beatitude in particular, I think something that occurred to me that I wanted to highlight and took a little time to highlight in the beginning of the sermon was the dual audience that we see. See in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapter 5, we see that there are crowds that Jesus is speaking to. In fact, the first few words of the Sermon on the Mount are seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And you got to ask yourself, well, who were in the crowds? Well, if you just look back a little bit in uh, chapter four, the preceding verses, it says, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick. So we had Syrians there. Who were bringing him the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Then chapter 5 says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, what's exciting to me is as I read through this, I see this dual audience uh, that's among Jesus as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, a dual audience of both those who are his called his disciples and those who are part of the crowds. And this is not the first time that we see this throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we see a dual audience uh, when Jesus uh, preaches the parables in Matthew chapter 13. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, verse 2, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables. And then it goes on to uh, speak the parable of the sower. Then later on in verse 10, his disciples come and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So this is indicative of the fact that there were both disciples and non-disciples in the crowd there. We also see this in uh, Matthew 23, when Jesus preaches his seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, We see a dual audience there, and it goes on into the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25. Um, And there are other times throughout the Gospel of Matthew where Matthew will differentiate between uh, the crowds, like those who hear and those who are given understanding. But Matthew doesn't do that in the Sermon on the Mount. It seems that all are hearing Jesus' teaching and all are welcome to respond. And that's what's so radical about the Beatitudes, in my opinion, or at least one of the things that's so radical. Um, That's what's so upside down about this is whom Jesus is choosing to announce the coming of the kingdom of God to. That's what's so radical. He's not going to people who have made a name for themselves. He's not going to the scribes, the Pharisees, people who see themselves as righteous. He's not going to government officials, people who could have a great impact. He's going to people who would be the least likely people to to be the first to receive any good news. But we see that throughout the rest of the scriptures, right? Like Jesus's birth was first announced to shepherds, Jesus's resurrection. He first appeared, uh, again, not to people who were uh, famous or noteworthy. He didn't even first appear to the 12. The first person he appeared to was Mary Magdalene. He first appeared to a woman and a woman from whom seven demons had gone out. So the most upside down part of the Sermon on the Mount is to whom Jesus would choose to preach it to whom he would choose to first tell of the coming of the kingdom, the diseased, the afflicted, the Syrians, the Gentiles, the pained, the demon-possessed, the seizing, and the paralyzed. These are the zeros of society that Jesus is sharing the greatest news with. And upside-down living happens because Jesus is sharing and displaying upside-down values. He's taking their value system and completely turning it on its head. And as a result, as he preaches, as he ministers, the sick are healed, uh, people are healed from seizures, paralyzed people are walking, demon-possessed people are no longer possessed by demons, and it's all done because of King Jesus. And so Jesus is here announcing his kingdom to the most unlikely of recipients and says, in essence, this is what kingdom people are like. This is such as the kingdom of God. These are the people who are of the kingdom. It's not if then statements necessarily. It's not if you do this, I'll let you in, right? Show me your pure heart. Okay. If you can show me your pure heart, then you're in. Show me your mourning. Are you mourning? All right, good. Well then, but if not, you're out. Are are you being persecuted? I mean, you know, find me a text where Jesus tells you that you should mourn all the time, right? Where Where in the Bible does Christ or anyone tell you that you should try to be persecuted. These are not cosmic biblical logic proofs, right? And I I said in my sermon, I love logic. I I loved algebra even in high school. If P, then Q. If not Q, then not P. Boolean operators. I loved all that stuff. I geeked out about that. But that's not what this... Is It's not if you're a peacemaker, you can be a child of God, but if you're not, no dice. They're not if-then statements because there would be nothing radical about them if they were. He's not a God of transaction. He's a God of action and radical, merciful, gracious action at that because we love him because why? First John 4, 19 tells us because he first loved us. And so it is with the Beatitudes. There are certainly blessings associated with all of these things and living like these things, but they're not if then statements, that would be right side up. Uh, They're upside down because Jesus is speaking to those whom he would least, who would be the least likely people to first receive this great news of the coming of the kingdom of God. So I just wanted to touch on that because I had touched on that in my sermon uh, on Sunday. If you're interested in hearing my sermon, uh, you can hear that. It should be uploaded shortly, if it's not already, at graceky.org forward slash sermons. And I hope you'll tune in and join us for the rest of the Upside Down Sermon Series. Excuse me, Upside Down. (laughs) The Sermon Series isn't Upside Down. Upside Down Living Sermon Series as we look at the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount together.